Hello and welcome to the first video from the Ball and Banter podcast series that's on YouTube. My name is MJ and for anyone who has uh, not listened to our podcast before, I'm the host of the Ball and Banter podcast series. Uh, for those of you who have um, listened in before, you know that normally I have my three guys with me, which is K Sarps, uh, Fury and Tips. But unfortunately, all of them are unavailable to join me today. So unfortunately, you have to put off my ugly mug for this show. But um, yeah, we've got an excellent guest here today. Um, we've got um, Talk Sports Transfer Guru, guru in fact, uh, Alex Crook. How you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Um, a little bit harassed today um, with the news of, of Bournemouth parting company with Jason Tindall. Been chasing that one uh, all day and, and various bits and pieces going on, unfortunately, involving um, racial abuse of a young Southampton player. So, um, oh, yeah, it's, it's been a busier day than I expected. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, just before I start um, firing questions at you, um, Alex, would you just like to give yourself a brief introduction, how you got into uh, journalism with TalkSport and the team that you grew up supporting? Um, yeah, as you can probably tell by the picture behind me, that's Ronaldo scoring in the uh, 2008 Champions League final. Um, I think anyone who follows me on Twitter will know Manchester United are my club of choice. Um, been that way. Uh, since the late 1980s so uh, yeah still uh, still a passionate supporter um, enjoying watching the football at the moment although I'm not necessarily um, an Ollie in man but we shall see how that works out. Um, in, in terms of journalism I studied at college um, and was fast-tracked to do a postgraduate course in newspaper journalism took my first job at 19 working at the Slough Observer had a brief stint on the sports desk at the Bournemouth Echo as well, um, then worked for and now own a, a news agency based on the South Coast. So we're basically uh, covering Southampton, Bournemouth, Brighton, Portsmouth, Reading and beyond for the national newspapers. And I've been attached to Talk Sport for about five years now, but really ramped that up over the past two or three seasons, taking over as transfers editor, uh, becoming one of their main commentators, hoping uh, to be in Budapest to commentate the European Championships in the summer, all being well. Um it's not really a job, uh, more of a hobby, um, getting paid to watch football. So, yeah, I can't complain. No, I definitely can't complain. And I would love to be in that position that you're in at the moment. So, yeah, I can I'm totally understand where you're coming from. But I just want to say a quick thank you for joining us today because I know you're a very busy man. So I'm just going to start off um, doing a transfer review. Um, obviously, the January transfer window just closed a couple of days ago. So I'm going to be a bit selfish and start off with my own club. Uh, which is Arsenal. I'm just going to deal with the uh, incomings for now before we go to the outgoings. So we got in um, Matt Ryan uh, from Brighton and Martin Odegaard as well from Real Madrid. Me personally, I think Matt Ryan's a pretty decent goalkeeper. Um, last year, my fantasy team, he got me a lot of points with his bonus saves. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm pretty much going off of that as well. I've seen a bit of him here and there at Brighton and um, I'm quite excited about Odegaard as well. What's your thoughts and how everything transpired there? Well, when I did the uh, transfer window review on the White and Jordan show on TalkSport um, on Tuesday, I actually pinpointed Arsenal for me as the big winners of the transfer yes. window. Not necessarily in terms of incomings, although uh, I like Matt Ryan. I think he's a good character. Got to know him reasonably well when he was at Brighton. Lost his way a bit this season. Anyone who had him in their fantasy team would know that he didn't pick up too many bonus points for saves made. But it's a great opportunity for him. And I think he's a more than capable deputy to Burnt Leno. In terms of Erdegaard, obviously very highly rated as a teenager, possibly too much too soon, joining Real Madrid at the age of 16. Mm -hmm. Hasn't hit the heights that he would have expected to, but 
he feels that role is back up to Emil Smith-Rowe, will, will play in the Europa League and, and brings that creativity that Mikel Arteta was looking for. I know they were linked with the likes of Christian Eriksen. They did try for Buendia at Norwich, but he proved too expensive. They may well revisit that in the summer. But I think a young, hungry player probably is, is what Arsenal need right now. And, and in terms of why, in my opinion, it was a winning window, I think it's more about the players who've left the club. They've got rid of Mesut Ozil, of course, and they got rid of his mates as well. It was a, a real tight-knit group involving Kalazinac, Mustafi. I mean, those three, by all accounts, are inseparable around the, around the training ground and not necessarily a positive influence. So I think Mikel Arteta has done well to remove them and clear that dark cloud, really, that Mesut Ozil has offered for a couple of seasons now, in all honesty, since he mm-hmm. was any of any use to Arsenal. Obviously, yeah, I've seen some young players out on loan. I think Newcastle will be a good education for Joe Willock. Make the Niles is a strange one because he had the opportunity to go to Southampton. I think that probably mm-hmm. would have been better for his development than joining a, a survival fight at West Bromwich Albion. But by clearing the wage bill with those permanent transfers, Mikel Arteta is basically putting himself in a good position to really attack the transfer market in the summer and, and mould the squad in his own image. And I think that will be a good thing for Arsenal. I think exciting times are ahead. Yeah, I agree with you there. Because um, obviously in the summer when Ozil and Socrates both got cut from the Premier League squad and didn't get included in the European League squad, for me, obviously, I'm not um, in the know or anything. I'm just a fan looking in, looking from the outside looking in. To me, that can't be a healthy situation where you've got players that have absolutely no chance of playing and, you know, they're still in the squad. No, and I think it was a problem for Frank Lampard at Chelsea as well. Um, obviously, when you recruit as heavily, heavily as they did in the summer, there are going to be players who suddenly find themselves surplus to requirements. And in Chelsea's case, it was some quite senior players that the yeah. likes of Marcus Alonso and uh, Danny mm. Drinkwater was still there and Caballero was desperate to leave. And I think if you've got those players behind the scenes causing ructions, it does have an impact, particularly if they're popular players. And from what I understand, Mesut Ozil was a popular figure in the Arsenal dressing room. So I think Frank Lampard, in being unable to shift those um, players dead wood, for want of a better phrase, by not yeah. being able to get them off the wage bill, I think he created a problem and, and I think that played a part in his demise. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Alex. Um, I know in the summer, um, Arsenal was trying to get rid of Ozil um, and Socrates as well. And I think possibly even Kalasnach as well. Do you think... You can uh, attribute any blame towards um, Arteta or Edu for allowing this to drag on? Or do you think um, there wasn't really any serious takers for any of their players in the summer? I think a combination of the two. Um, I think with Mesut Ozil, they were hoping that he would leave of his own will without having to come to any kind of financial agreement. Clearly, he out of stubbornness, he wasn't going to do that. And I think he no. felt he'd been badly treated I think originally he was going to sit out until the rest of the season. It was only when Arsenal actively said to him, look, let's, let's, let's reach a compromise here. This is no good for either of us. That's when that move accelerated. So it's very hard to get high-earning players off the wage bill. Mm-hmm. Footballers don't really want to take pay cuts. No, so, no one does in, in normal life well, as well. Exactly. Uh, and ultimately, it wasn't Mesut Ozil's fault that he was offered that ridiculous contract. Mm-hmm. I was speaking to George Agreed. Graham, actually, um, mm-hmm. during the just after the first lockdown and and he said somebody's got to take the blame for that because it, it was just mm. a nonsensical thing to do. And I think Arsenal have learned their lesson. I think that's why Mikel Arteta is putting so much emphasis now on young players. Although, of course, they've got a similar situation with uh, Fellerin Balogun, who I know is a player they yes. rate highly. But at the moment, he's not willing to sign a new contract and will, will probably leave probably for Germany in the summer. That's sad. Um, you know, a lot of fans love to see um, players come up through the youth into the first team. 
So if he does leave, I think that will be a big shame. I don't, to me as well, I don't know how true this is, but apparently Arsenal, uh, towards the end of last season, did offer him a contract. Um, there was a bit of stalling on it, and they seemed to have withdrawn that offer, and then they re, re, uh, redone him another contract offer this again this season, which seems to me put Arsenal in a bit of a weaker position when it comes to trying to negotiate um, a new deal for him. Yeah, I think also from what Mikel Arteta has said on record, he wants him to stay. The player would be happy to stay. It's mm. the agent who, who is driving mm. this move. And I think the influence that agents have now on, on football clubs is is worrying at times. I mean, look at Wolverhampton Wanderers who are enjoying a bit of a slump mm -hmm. this season. If, if you're so embedded with one particular agent, as of course they are, then the aim of any agent, the only way an agent really makes money is by moving players on. Yes. So that agent is only ever going to use Wolverhampton Wanderers as a stepping stone to try and sell his players to bigger clubs and therefore make more commission. Uh, E.g. Uh, Diego Jota, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I was also going to say as well, um, do you think that um, the agent has that much influence in uh, younger kids similar to Balogun? Not necessarily him, but just in that general um, situation. Do you think they have a lot of influence in um, a young player uh, signing a new contract at a club or trying to push them to move? I think so. Um, I think it, it depends what type of character uh, the individual is. But obviously, mm. they're very young, they're naive with the way mm. of the world, let alone the football world. So if you've got an yeah. agent who seemingly is is representing your best interest, and maybe this guy is, I don't know the full story of, yeah. uh, of Balogun, but if he's going to join... I mean, some of the clubs that have been mentioned as a possible destination in Germany aren't as good a club as Arsenal. Mm -hmm. so surely it would be in his best interest to stay at Arsenal, especially when you know the manager rates you. But listen, it can happen to any players. I remember a senior Premier League player a few years back calling me in the middle of the night to tell me that he was moving to uh, the UAE. Um, I said, what on earth are you doing that for? You know, well, my agent thinks it's a good idea. I said, I'm sure he does uh, with mm -hmm. the commission free money that, that comes with that. But this particular player never, never really never really had any kind of career after that. So it's not just young players who are manipulated by agents. It happens everywhere. And there are some good yeah. agents as well. And it's, it's not tar all agents with the same brush. Yeah, I was, I was going to add that in as well, just for uh, balance as well, that, you know, not all agents are bad. Yeah, absolutely. Although if you listen to Simon Jordan, he might disagree. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not going to get into Simon Jordan at the moment, but yeah, he does say a lot of uh, things. I've listened to him on TalkSport quite frequently in the morning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm going to quickly just have a general look at um, the transfer window uh, over this January just gone. Obviously, I think it's one of the quietest Januaries there's been since the January transfer window started. Um, obviously, there's quite a lot of different reasons for that. Obviously, we've got the worldwide pandemic. There's no fans in the stadium. So clubs are not generating um, as much money as they, as they generally would. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got like uh, Josh King who moved to Everton, which I think was a pretty good deal, actually. I think it's quite similar to Calvert-Lewin and they have a good backup. So for that move in particular, how do you how do you um, see that one going? Or what, what do you think about the move of Josh King? Josh King was was one of the sagas, not just of this transfer window, but going back to the extended summer transfer window, and actually January before that, when Manchester United from nowhere offered Bournemouth twenty million pounds. <laughs> and and I'll just let you into a bit of insight in, into how that came about. So uh, Manchester United rung Bournemouth on deadline day, said we'd like Josh King. How much would you want for him? Bournemouth quoted one price. United said, no, we're not willing to pay any more than 20 million. Bournemouth said, well, we're not going to sell. Mm. Uh, Josh King spent the rest of that day trying to call Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Ed Woodward and numerous calls went unanswered. So literally their interest mm. evaporated immediately, left a player in limbo. I don't think he ever really recovered mentally from that. He was never the same player again for Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, West Ham bid £13 million in the summer. 
Bournemouth yes, wanted fifteen million pound. They had a gentleman's agreement actually to pay fifteen million pound. Then the offer mm. was two million lower. Hence the fact that Bournemouth weren't willing to sanction that deal, even though I'm told Jason Tinder was happy for him to go and actually was encouraging him to go mm. because of his attitude around training. And they've ended up selling him for a lot less. I mean, the fee being quoted is five million. There's an awful lot of hurdles that have to be jumped even to get to five million. For a start, the deal has to be made permanent. It's only a six-month contract at the moment. Secondly, I think um, Everton need to qualify for Europe. That there's all kinds of additional clauses. Basically, I've taken a huge hit on that twenty million pound that Manchester United offered only a year ago, and I think um, it's a difficult balancing act because at that time Bournemouth was still in the Premier League. They felt Josh King could still score the goals to help keep them up, and twenty million probably was seen as below market value. But it just shows how quickly a player's value can deteriorate. And as much as it's about buying players at the right time you need to sell players at the right yes. time as well. And they certainly didn't do that. I mean, you look along the coast at Southampton, they've been very good um, in mm. recent seasons at selling at the right time. They held on to Virgil van Dijk for an extra six months and bumped up the fee. Mm-hmm. Most of the players they sold to Liverpool and Manchester United and Everton, in the case of Morgan Schneiderlin, probably mm. didn't live up to their price tag. So Southampton have been very good at selling players. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you totally there. And I think there was a stage there where uh, Liverpool bought about half the Southampton's first-team players. <laughs> yeah, and, and apart, all... from, apart from Sadio Mane, yes. maybe Lallana, none of them really lived up to it. Yes, I agree with you 100% there. Uh, let's just, if we can just quickly move on to the current Premier League champions, Liverpool. Uh, obviously, everyone knows um, they're having a lot of issues in defence and they have to play central midfielders there, which is taking away a lot from their own midfield and probably their attack as well, to be fair. Um, so what do you think about the signings of, um, I forgot the guy's name, uh, Ben Davis and the guy that got from Schalke, I think Kabak? I was, an, I was saying Kabak, yeah. Yeah. Interesting ones. Um, hmm. I mean, ben Davis was uh, was heavily linked with Bournemouth and actually had a, a big money bid rejected in the summer and all of hmm. a sudden he's on his way to Liverpool. Not only that, he'd agreed a pre-contract with, with Celtics. I know Neil Lennon was particularly unhappy oh. on, on deadline day. He used the word gazumped. Uh, it's not very often now, is it, that um, the current Premier League champions uh, and a recent European Cup winner would would delve into the championship. I, I wonder if we might see it a bit more. Um, one of the stories of this window was the new regulations due to Brexit. that actually yes. made it a bit harder for clubs to sign players from abroad. All the foreign leagues are graded now. Um, so, for example, it would be easier to sign a player from the Bundesliga um, than, say, from the MLS or China, because obviously the standard mm-hmm. of competition over there isn't rated as high. Uh, yeah. We're back to the days when players have to be capped at international level uh, to really get a move to this country. So I think we might see clubs recruiting in the lower leagues a bit more now. Um, you mentioned Arsenal. Again, George Graham did that regularly yeah. when he first took over, the likes of Lee Dixon and Steve Bold and, and Bold, Nigel yeah. Winterburn, all signed from the lower leagues, and it didn't work out too badly in that instance. Not at all. So, um, I think if it does happen, it will be a good thing um, for EFL clubs and, and, and for the food chain and probably for the England national team in the long run as well. But it will be interesting to see how much game time Ben Davis gets. I think deep down, he knows that he's a backup option, especially as they sign Kabak on the same day. You would imagine he yeah. is uh, nearer the list of, of players to come in and, and fill that centre-back void left by the likes of Van Dijk and, and Gomez and, and Matip than Davis is. But if you're Ben Davis, mid-20s, never played in the Premier League before and you get a chance to join Liverpool, it's a a very difficult offer to turn down. Yeah, 100%. I think if you, anyone put themselves in his position, I think that's going to be a move that you can't turn down. You know, going to the Premier League champions, you're not going to be playing Champions League football. Okay, your first team chances might not be as great as there was at Preston. But yeah, I agree with you totally. That's a move that you can't turn down. 
So I just want to quickly move on to um, obviously we've got the Euros coming up at the end of the season, and I know Hopefully. you. Um, well, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and I know you did speak briefly about um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles uh, moving to West Brom. Um, I just want to talk about well, yeah, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Deli Ali because obviously there was a, a lot of um, uh, rumours with Deli Ali joining PSG. But both of these guys, obviously, they wanted to move to give themselves a better chance. Well, getting the England squad at the end of the season for the Euros. Um, what do you think um, about, we'll start with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, like you were saying, he had a chance to go to Southampton and apparently um, Leicester was interested as well. I can understand maybe Arsenal will be buffing Leicester because they see them maybe as a bit more of a direct rival for the European places this season. I, I agree with you. I think Southampton was a good option for him instead of going to West Brom. Maybe, I don't know if Aladassi's style of play will suit him as well. I think uh, the issue that Southampton had, and actually it was them who pulled out the running in the end because it was becoming apparent that Ainsley uh, Maitland-Niles wasn't particularly keen to make the move. They wanted him as cover for the two fullback positions. Um, and I think he wants to play in midfield because he feels that's his best chance of getting into the England squad at the European right. Championships. Also, he, he would have been back up at Southampton. He'd probably get game time at the moment because they've got more injuries than an episode of casualty. But when everybody <laughs> is fit, um, he probably would have only been a sub. And of course, he's a sub at Arsenal. So you could say, well, mm. what's the point? It's a sideways step. He will get yeah. minutes at West Brom playing in his preferred midfield role. I think it's still a long shot for him to gatecrash the, the European Championship squad. I know he has been capped in the recent past, but I think there's a lot of players ahead of him. So he'd have to play sensationally well and some of those players get injured to really stand any chance unless and there is talk that maybe uh, managers will be allowed to name more than the usual 23 mm. man squads for the tournament if they up that to say 30 then maybe he might well have a look in yeah but I have to agree with you there I think unfortunately um, as much as I like um, Ainsley I think it'd be a tough ask for him to get into the England squad especially if he wants to play in midfield I can't see him getting into the England team in midfield maybe if Southgate plays three at the back maybe he could potentially challenge for the right wing back slot but centre midfield I can't see it at all there's too much competition there yeah and, and probably even on the right side of that defence as well um, mm. when you look at the likes of Kieran Trippier is in there Alexander mm. Arnold of course um, even Carl Walker is not been completely dismissed yet so that the, mm -hmm. there's probably more options on the right side of defense than there is on the left at this moment in time mm -hmm. yeah i agree with you obviously you've got players like reese james um who's been not him i knew there was one i was i'd forgotten yeah <laughs> he'll probably be the one who starts by the way yeah I, I think he's a good player to be honest i do like him a lot so i would not um argue with him being in the starting lineup but um moving on to deli ali obviously he's had tough tough time under um, jose Mourinho. um it looked like they Possibly might have gone to PSG uh, during the tran uh, January transfer window, which obviously didn't work out. If he stays at Tottenham, I can't see him getting into the England squad at, at all. Um, how close was it? Was he actually um, to move into PSG, or was it just more just rumours? No, the deal was agreed between Deli mm. Ali and his representatives and, and Paris Saint Germain. He was desperate to go and play for Maurizio Pochettino. Jose Mourinho uh, was willing to sanction the deal. Daniel Levy didn't want to let him go. Uh, without a replacement. And I think I think we saw this a lot in the transfer window. Clubs almost stockpiling players. Brandon Williams at Manchester yes. United, for example, had options, but because of the, the heavily congested fixture list and because of the added complications of maybe players having to miss games with positive COVID tests, a lot of squads are bigger now than they would be under normal circumstances in January because managers don't want to be left short. <clears throat> My issue with the Deli Alley situation is if Daniel Levy isn't going to let him go then Jose Mourinho needs to find a way to get him back in the team. 
This is a player mm. who two and a bit years ago was probably a £70 million footballer. The longer he spends on the bench, the more that value decreases and goes down and down and down. And Tottenham mm. aren't pulling up any trees at the moment. I mean, we no. saw them against Brighton this last weekend. They were dreadful in that game. And yes. someone of Deli Ali's quality could have easily provided that extra attacking spark that they were lacking. So I would like to think for the England team, for Deli Ali and for Tottenham, Daniel Levy is coming down quite hard on Jose Mourinho now, as he did with Ndumbala, Ndumbale, and saying you mm. need to get this guy in the team. Mm. No, I do agree. Um, obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan, but I do like football, so I know that Deli Ali does have quality, and um, it is a bit of a surprise that um, he's not featuring, and uh, sometimes he's not even on the bench, which is a bit crazy as well. But I do understand maybe like his type of... and. Uh, the style of play he is, maybe it's more like a number 10, which is kind he's of... A ma- he's a maverick, and, and Jose yes. Mourinho distrusts maverick players. Mm, definitely. And I think the system that Mourinho plays doesn't really allow for free spirits like him. I agree, 100%. But he's the manager of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. This is the squad he has. Deli Ali on his day is one of their best players. Mm-hmm. He needs to su- find a system to suit Deli Ali or get Deli Ali to play his system, not the other way around. 100% after Goofy there again, Alex. Um, I just want to quickly move into some of the outgoings for Arsenal because I think we had um, Kolasinac, Ozil, Socrates. I think I've forgotten one, but I can't remember at the moment. So I think... Kolasinac. That's the one, Kolasinac. Yeah, so I think combined with the with getting them off the wage bill, I think it's been reported that we've saved around half a million pounds or £550,000 a week. Incredible. That's, Incredible. that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think they'll be uh, they'll be saving those pennies and, and trying to go back in for Buendia, particularly if Norwich don't get promoted. Mm. Although I think at the moment they look uh, a pretty good bet to come back up from the Championship. But he's keen on the move. Um, he'd like to go and play for Mikel Arteta. I think that that is one of the big summer stories. I think, and if you know, if we, if we turn our attention to the summer, there's a lot of deals that will already be being lined up. Erling Haaland mm. is a fascinating one for me because I think whoever signs mm. him, if he comes to the Premier League, and I know Bayern Munich is, is sniffing around as well, if he comes to the Premier League, <laughs> whoever gets him will be champions next season. No question. Mm. He improves Manchester City, improves Manchester United, he improves Liverpool, and he improves Chelsea on current form. When you look at Timo Werner, who looks absolutely mm. lost playing up front at the moment. Uh, Declan Rice, I, I think Chelsea's interest left with Frank Lampard. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't rule him out at say Manchester United if they need a, a mm. decent defensive midfielder. I think United might well ramp up their attempts to sign Jack Grealish in the summer as well. He's a player who impresses me every time I see him play. No disrespect to Aston Villa, but he needs to be playing at the elite level. He needs to be playing in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I'm actually quite a fan of uh, Grealish. I would love to see him at the Emirates, even though I know that will never happen. But no, we'll Champions to League, not Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you that one, Alex. <laughs> Uh, just to quickly move on to a bit about United before um, I fire some uh, questions from people that have sent in to me. Um, would you say that they're still looking at um, Sancho for the summer or do you think that they've got this guy from Atalanta? Yeah, they rate him very highly. Um, mm. Sancho, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would still like to sign Sancho. I'm not convinced mm. that Edward would was or or is now willing to pay the money that Borussia Dortmund would want. And also, from a Borussia Dortmund point of view, are they going to sell both Haaland and Sancho in the same summer? I think it will be either or. And I think mm-hmm. it will probably be Haaland. You know what? It wouldn't surprise me if uh, City go in quite big for Haaland, especially with Aguero um, coming up towards the end of his contract, I believe. I'm not 100% sure. And yeah, exactly. Contract in the summer. Yeah. yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if I see City going in quite big for him in the summer. They need to stop messing around with Lionel Messi first. Haaland would be a much <laughs> better investment than Messi. 
yes, I agree. Even though I would love to see Messi in the Premier League, but whether he can do it in a wet Wednesday um, Stoke or, you know, somewhere like that, uh, that remains to be seen. Burnley. Yeah, or Burnley, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so sorry if I'm just looking down for something. I'm just going through some questions. Um, Lingard as well. Um, do you think, I've got a question here from uh, my mate uh, Craig. So he's saying, um, Lingard, is he done as a top player or does... Uh, this providing with the break that he needs to re- uh, realise his potential. He's 28, I think. And, and again, mm. like Deli Alley, two and a half years ago, he was very much a, a key part of England reaching the World Cup semi-final. He had an excellent tournament, yeah. actually. Ling- Lingard had a better tournament than, than Deli Alley, who was carrying a bit of yes. in, an injury. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to get away from Manchester. Um, I think there's certain, certain distractions in his personal life uh, that a move to London will do him good. I think David Moyes clearly rates him very highly. And if they can get the best out of him, then yeah, I don't see any reason why he is done as a top-level player. Um, I think he's had a better career than, than, than people credit him for as well. I know he's not played much yeah. of late, but I mentioned the World Cup. He scored a winning goal for the team he supported as a boy in the FA Cup final. It doesn't really get any better than that. Mm. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a bit reluctant to let him go, so that tells me that he still sees a player in him. And I uh, hope for, for Jesse Lingard and for West Ham are a bit short of cover up front still. Um, mm. that, that loan spell works out well. Yeah, fingers crossed for uh, Jesse Lingard. Um, also, I um, just want to ask you another quick question. How much do you think leaving the uh, EU will affect the summer transfer window and the transfer windows ahead? Do you think there'll be quite a bit of uh, ramification from that? Well, well, you've got two factors, haven't you? Um, I think in January, uh, the money spent was down 65% from the previous mm. January, when obviously we lived in a you know a world before COVID-19, a, a better place, clearly. Um, yep. So I think... Clubs are still struggling financially at all levels. I mean, look at the, the financial problems Barcelona are having at the moment. Yeah. So clubs on the continent and in England have all seen their finances here. Arsenal have borrowed money. Tottenham have borrowed money. Brighton and Southampton have both recorded massive losses. So I, I don't think the, the market is going to recover as soon as the summer. And as I mentioned, you've got the new EU regulations that make it harder to, to sign players from foreign leagues. So I think we're going to see a lot of Ben Davis type transfers and a lot mm. of loan signings where clubs just take on players' wages. Yes, I, I think I can see that too. Um, but to be fair, buying from the Championship and lower down maybe not necessarily be a bad thing. You know, it can help keep the money within England as well and make the Championship. Uh, yeah, so I think that'd be a, uh, a really good move. But um, Alex, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you're a very busy man. So I want to say thank you very much for joining us today. No problem. Enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I hope uh, we can work again together soon. That'd be lovely. Absolutely. All the best. All the best, mate. Take care. Thanks for your time again.